Would you like predictable monthly income with annual returns up to 15% or more? Norada Capital Management offers you the opportunity to invest in promissory notes with fixed rates of return and monthly direct deposits. We provide investors with an effortless way to diversify beyond other investment options like stocks and bonds and even real estate. Our promissory notes have a high rate of return and are 100% passive. Interest is paid monthly, directly into your account, delivering truly effortless income. Many other passive investments offer rates of return in the 4-6% to range. Our promissory notes have delivered fixed rates of return in the double digits since conception. All notes are in good standing and Norada has a no-default history and reputation. And retirement accounts such as self-directed IRAs and Roth IRAs also qualify for this investment. So if you're looking for an effortless investment with predictable monthly income and double-digit returns, then visit our website at noradacapital.com. Learn more at noradacapital.com today. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to another episode of Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. You know, we're getting near the end of the year, and this is the time when a lot of people think about their retirement accounts, specifically their IRAs. You know, with over $9 trillion out there in IRA accounts in the United States, this is a staggering amount of money, and it makes IRAs one of the largest sections of investable cash in the world. But what does this have to do with real estate? Well, contrary to popular belief, IRAs have always been able to invest in real estate and own real estate. They can own anything from single family homes to uh, commercial real estate, to multi-unit properties, to apartments. You could even flip properties in an IRA. You can own LLCs or limited liability companies that own single family homes or multifamily properties, even commercial real estate. In fact, they can even invest as a private lender in real estate, meaning that it becomes the bank, the lender lending money on real estate deals to other people. So there are many ways to make money from the capital you have within your retirement account. At this point in the IRA, the real estate conversation usually goes like this. Why have I never heard of this before? Well, the majority of providers out there, the IRA custodians, if you will, have generally found that real estate is an administratively unfeasible asset class because it takes more work to handle and administer a real estate transaction than it does to just have publicly traded stock or a REIT. In other words, the brokerage or insurance firm who administers most IRAs simply restrict their IRAs to the stuff that they sell, like publicly traded stock or mutual funds or annuities. You've always been able to own real estate in an IRA, but there are few IRA custodians who allow it. And as a result, it isn't as widely known as it should be. But with increased awareness, IRAs will continue to own more and more real estate. And so today it's an education in what you can and can't do with a self-directed IRA, how it works, how you set one up. And hopefully we'll just refer to this as the top 10 frequently asked questions about self-directed IRAs. So join me and my guest, and we're going to explore this topic in greater detail. It's my pleasure to welcome Matt Sorensen to the show. He is an attorney and the CEO of Directed IRA. 
He is a best-selling author and a national speaker and expert on self-directed retirement accounts. He has been at the forefront of the self-directed IRA industry since 2006, and he wrote the book, The Self-Directed IRA Handbook, which is the most widely used book in the self-directed IRA industry. So with that, Mel, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, uh, I don't know what else people may want to know about me, but I do like to long have long walks on the beach and, uh, you know, hold hands. <laughs> so I appreciate that intro. That I, I love it. Good. I love it. It's good to get personal, not just about business. <laughs> so that's perfect. Yeah. Why, why not? You know, so today I haven't done an episode on self-directed IRAs in a long time. And I know that a lot of people have these retirement accounts, whether they're IRAs or self-directed IRAs. But from what I understand, there's over $6 trillion. And I like to say it's trapped in these IRAs. And most of these people are underutilizing the funds that they have in their retirement accounts. They could be doing a whole lot more and doing a lot better. And that's the whole idea of converting an IRA into a self-directed IRA. So yeah. Let's start there. With that, why don't we start off by talking about the basics? What exactly is a self-directed IRA? So we're all on the same page. Yeah, it's basically an IRA that lets you invest in any asset allowed by law. So if your IRA is at a broker dealer, let's say you're at Merrill Lynch or Fidelity, what do they let IRAs there buy? Financial products, because that's what they sell. If you have an IRA with an insurance company, what do they let your IRA buy? Annuity products, because that's what they sell. So you need to get your IRA at a custodian that lets you self-direct. And those are sometimes called self-directed custodians. That's what we are at directed IRA, which is directedira.com. But like a self-directed custodian can have Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, SEP IRAs, all the different account types. It's just their investment options on what they allow your account to do is it could invest in real estate. It could buy a rental. It can invest in an LLC. It can invest in a limited partnership, buy in an apartment building you know, buy precious metals, invest in a startup. All those things are allowed in a retirement account. You just need to get to a self-directed custodian that lets your account do it. So it's been my understanding for years that a self-directed IRA and an IRA are exactly the same thing because by law, and you can correct me on Mm -hmm. this, but by law, all IRAs are self-directed. The problem is, is that wherever you have your IRA, the restriction there or the handcuffs is set as an overlay by that institution, not by the law itself. Exactly right. So if like you called up Fidelity and you said, hey, I want to buy the rental property on 123 Green Street with my IRA because you have an account there, they're going to say you can't do that. And it's not because IRAs can't do that. It's because IRAs at Fidelity can't do that um, unless you're a high net worth individual with a 50 million relationship or more. But everyone else has got to move to a self-directed custodian. So yeah, you're exactly right. It's just that it's the institution self-imposing on because they don't want to deal with it, right? If you're a broker dealer and you're electronically buying and selling funds and assets, you do not want to deal with real estate contracts and real estate assets. That's not your business. It's a pain in your butt. So, so the bottom line here is what you're saying is the vehicle is exactly the same because the vehicle is defined by law. It's really the institution Mm -hmm. that you're with that either liberates you or limits you to what you can and can't do. Yeah. And the law exactly. And the law only restricts three things of what you can't buy with an IRA, which is collectible items, um, like art and things like that. You should actually be able to buy that stuff, but it got restricted. People were buying wine collections. They turned into bottle collections and such, you know? Um, and so you couldn't, can't buy collectibles. You can't buy uh, S corporation stock just because IRAs don't qualify as S corporation shareholders. Um, but IRAs of course can invest in LLCs and limited partnerships and C corps and all that. 
and then you can't buy um, life insurance. That's it. Those are only three things. Everything else is fair game. Okay. That was actually one of my questions is not so much what can you invest in, but what can you not invest in? And I knew collectibles and art mm. certainly didn't qualify. Uh, is there anything else on that list? That's it. I mean, collectibles can include certain types of precious metals. You know, we have clients that do buy precious metals with IRAs like gold and silver. And there's certain rules on what types qualify, but really everything's fair game. And in real estate in particular, the, the I mean, I guess the one caveat I'll say for real estate is as long as it's investment real estate, right? Like you can't use an IRA to buy real estate you're personally going to use. So it's not like we're talking about buying real estate with your IRA that's going to be, you know, your second home or something. Okay. These need to be investment assets, not for personal use. So let's talk about that. Can a self-directed IRA invest in a personal business or a personal investment deal? And the operative word there is personal. And how do you even define that? Well, the guys depends on who the person is it's investing in, right? Like, let's say Marco, if you're like, Hey, I've got this business I started, I want to raise some money and I need, and you know, you've got an IRA, Matt, you want to invest your IRA into my company. Cool. I can, you know, you can sell me some shares or units in your LLC, or I could even lend you money from my IRA. And, you know, we'd negotiate the terms on that. And that's typically, that's totally a fine self-directed investment. We have no relationship. You're just, you got your business. I'm an investor. Now, if it was Matt Sorensen's company and I, and that I personally owned, and I wanted to use Matt Sorensen's IRA to invest in it, that's a problem. The IRS doesn't want, there's something called privated transactions where the IRS does not want the IRA account transacting with the owner of that account. They don't trust you with your own IRA. They also don't trust your IRA with your spouse or your kids or your parents. There's kind of this list of who the account can transact with that, that, is, a, that is a problem. And that's called a prohibited transaction. So I guess the way to look at that is you cannot have a personal stake or receive personal benefits from anything that is vested in the IRA. Is that a better way or a good way of saying it? Yeah, that's a good general way to just approach it. If you think about it that way, you're going to avoid 99% of the problems. Um, because the whole point of the prohibited transaction rule is that people that are disqualified, like yourself or your spouse, parents, kids, shouldn't benefit. That was the goal they were trying to reach and when they wrote the laws on that. Okay, so let me come up with an example here. Let's just hypothetically say that I have a rental property in my mm -hmm. self-directed IRA that does qualify, but then I turn around and I lease it under mm -hmm. a standard tenant lease to, yeah. let's say, my daughter. That yes. would not qualify? That would be a problem because your daughter's on the, on the naughty list, so to speak, you know, in terms of like there's certain people that are restricted and that's going to include your children. Okay. So, so she would be restricted from leasing that because that would be a transaction, right? If she's staying there and paying rent or if she's staying there or not, she's basically transacting with your account. Um, so that would be prohibited. Now, let's say it was your brother. Your IRA bought a property and leased it to your brother. Well, brother is not on the list of who's disqualified. So that's, that's actually okay. Now, you can't give your brother a sweetheart deal or do it for free. But if your brother really wanted to lease from your rental that your IRA owned, that would be okay. So you have to really pay attention to who's on this disqualified person list. And those are the ones you just cannot have the IRA transact with or have those people get any benefit from the account. Got it. Okay. <clears throat> so there is a type of IRA that 
is often referred to as a checkbook controlled IRA or just simply a checkbook mm, yeah. IRA. And yes. I understand this, but I think for some people, they get confused as to it being a completely other animal. Uh, maybe you can yeah. explain what it is. Yeah, it still takes a self-directed IRA as step one. So let's say your money's at Fidelity and you want to buy real estate. You're going to have to move that money from Fidelity to a self-directed IRA custodian. So so let's say you, you moved a directed IRA, just for an example. So now your, your money's at directed IRA. You could say, okay, I want to invest it into real estate or, and you could do that right out of the IRA account. Or you could say, you know, I'd rather have the IRA own an LLC 100%. I don't have the LLC invest in the real estate. The reason people do that, we actually call that structure an IRA LLC. So the IRA basically invests its cash into a new LLC. That money goes into an LLC bank account. You can be the manager of the LLC. You don't own the LLC at all. You're just the manager of the LLC. That allows you to sign for the LLC on contracts as the LLC is buying property or selling or leasing. You can sign on the LLC's business checking account. Um, to you know, pay bills or send wires, or you can also use that LLC check account to receive income like rent or the gain when it sells. And that LLC can reinvest the money. You can buy another property out of there or lend the money out of there or whatever self-directed investments you want to make. Now, because there is a checking account associated with that LLC, a lot of people refer to it as a checkbook IRA, but it's actually just an LLC, right? I mean, you have a self-directed IRA right. that that owns the LLC 100%, the LLC has a bank account. It's just the IRA money got invested in the LLC bank account. And now you got the checkbook because you're manager of the LLC. So that's essentially what a checkbook IRA is. Again, we call it an IRA LLC. A lot of real estate clients do that. I even use that structure myself. You know, In fact, my retirement account owns an LLC 100%, which I'm the manager of. And the LLC in turn owns a rental property I bought in Indianapolis through someone on your team, Marco. So, which has been a great rental, by the way. But so, so that's a, a very common structure, particularly for real estate investors. Not every self-directed investor benefits from it. Like a lot of self-directed investors are investing in startups, you know, and they're buying 50 shares in the next tech thing they think is going to go big, you know, or they're, or they're buying precious metals um, or they're doing private notes sometimes on a long-term basis. They can just do it right out of the IRA. They don't, they don't need a, uh, this... LLC. So what's the danger or risk in setting it up that way? I would imagine that most people have enough self-control or knowledge to know what they can and can't do with it. But, you know, to use the phrase, a blank check, that's essentially like having a blank check and uh, you can cross the line pretty easily. Yes, very true. Um, You know, when we, when we set them up in our law firm, because we set up the LLC structures in our law firm, we charge 800 bucks for an an IRA owned LLC. The documents are a little unique, but the key is you got to set it up right and then operate it properly. And it is kind of like, I mean, maybe it's like being a gun owner or something. I don't know. You know, it's like, this can be uh, an important tool or even a car. You think of it that way. And, but you need to know how to use it and operate it properly. Are you going to hurt yourself? You know? Uh, or others. So you just need to get educated on it and make sure you understand the rules and how to properly operate it. So when you're doing that, it's, I tell a lot of clients, self-directing in general, knowing the rules and what you can and can't do, particularly when you have an IRA LLC, is like playing a new board game. It's not that it's hard. It's just that you've never done it before. So you just need to learn the rules. But once you learn the rules, 
by playing with someone else that knows what the heck they're doing, consulting with someone like ours, our lawyers do that, or reading the rule book, which I have the book that you mentioned in my intro, the Self-Rectory Handbook that has a number of chapters on LLCs on its own. Like once you learn it, it's the same thing over and over. It's not rocket science. So you just got to get it down once, kind of like a board game, and then you just know how to play it. Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are taking a week. You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all your KPIs, that's your key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth, manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash real estate. That's netsuite.com slash real estate to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash real estate. And what to do. Okay. So we're talking about a checkbook controlled IRA or essentially Mm -hmm. an IRA LLC. There's another animal out there, if you will. And let's just compare that to the self-directed IRA. And that's the solo 401k, which I know a lot of people (laughs) like. That's a big one. It is. So without getting too deep into the weeds, there are Mm -hmm. people that are probably out there looking at these different options and saying, well, what do I do? Do I get a self-directed IRA or do I take that a step further and Mm -hmm. get a checkbook controlled IRA? Or do I go with a solo 401k? And I guess it really, it depends on what your situation is. Yeah. And, you know, we help clients in all different aspects of that. You know, obviously doing self-directed IRAs at directed IRA and helping with the LLCs with our law firm. And then we also set up solo Ks. So because, you know, a lot of our competitors just do one or the other. Frankly, they're not licensed, they don't have the ability to do others, but we do them all because it's a, depending on who you are, you're going to be a different fit for a different structure. So it's not like there's one that's better than the other. It's just one's better than the other for each person and it's different. So the solo K is cool. We love it, but it only works if you're self-employed, meaning you have a business and owning rental properties is not a business that counts. That's a business, but it's not one that counts for retirement plan establishment purposes, but maybe you flip properties, you're a broker agent, um, you're a consultant, you know, I don't care. You drive Uber, whatever. You have a business that you own and are the only owner of. And this could be your sole proprietorship. This could be an LLC, an S Corp, but it's your kind of business that you're a business owner of that has no other employees. You can have partners, but has no other employees other than yourself or your spouse. So the key there is no employees. Exactly. Now you can, let me say, there's there's a lot of detail to it. You can have part-time employees under working under 19 hours a week, also employees under age 21, you don't have to count them either, or employees that haven't worked for you yet for a year. So those are all ones that are employees you can have that you don't have to count for this rule. But if you have someone over 21 working more than 19 hours a week that's worked for you for a year, the solo K doesn't work, if that makes sense. 
So why would I choose the solo 401k over the self-directed IRA if I qualify for the solo 401k? Okay, let's say you qualified. There's probably three reasons why. First is you can put way more money into it in terms of new contributions. An IRA, you can put 6,000 bucks in there. No matter how much money you make, you're not gonna be able to put more than six grand in. Unless you're over 50, you can put an extra thousand. So there's not a lot of money of new contributions you can put into IRAs. Now, a lot of self-directed IRA investors are really rolling over funds. They're not really working off new contributions. They're working off a pot of money they've saved for 10, 20 years. So they're rolling over. But if you're looking to make new contributions, the solo K is awesome because you can put 56,000 a year into a solo K. That's you know almost 10 times what I can put into an IRA per year. So I can drop more money into a solo K per year. That's one reason. The second reason is you get checkbook control, so to speak, right out of the solo K. So in an IRA, you have to use the LLC structure and that's an additional cost and setup. And for those in California, you know, it's an, it's an annual $800 fee for an LLC in California. So, but a solo K on the other hand, you get the checking account right out of the solo K bank account. So your solo 401k can get a bank account in the solo K's name. You are a trustee of the solo K, which is allowed under solo K's. Under IRAs, you have to have a custodian that's trustee, which would be us, a trust company. Under solo K, you can self-trustee as the business owner. So you, that's the second reason. You get checkbook control right out of the solo K if that's an important feature that you know for the investments you want to make. The third benefit. Now, cause an accident if anybody's commuting, listening to this podcast <laughs> and get too far into this. Okay, but there's your... There is a tax. Warning. I'm just going to say this. Yeah, this, that, was a, that was a warning. There's a tax on IRAs when you leverage with debt. It's called UDFI, Unrelated Debt Financed Income. It's, it's a part of the UBTI tax. I know, very exciting. Yeah. But essentially, it's a tax that applies when you leverage an IRA's investment with debt. So I'm, I want to buy a property for 150. I've only got 50 grand in my IRA. So I go, go get a mortgage, which has to be non-recourse, by the way. But I go get a mortgage for the other 100 and I go buy the property for 150. Well, when the IRS looks at that, they're like, wait a second, two thirds of this money was not IRA money. It was a loan. So we're going to tax two thirds of the profit the other one third goes back to your IRA, you don't have to pay tax. But, but the two thirds of profits coming from the debt part, they make you pay tax on it. And this is called UDFI for IRAs. Solo Ks are exempt from this on real estate. So that's a perk if you're using a lot of debt to leverage investments, real estate investments, is Solo Ks get out of that tax, whereas IRAs get sucked into it. Now, I've got a whole chapter in my book on that, an hour webinar on how you calculate it and the exceptions to this and workarounds to it for IRAs. So it's a big topic, but is you're just contrasting IRA to solo K, that is a benefit to the solo K. Got it. Okay. And that can be a big one, especially if you're using a lot of uh, debt financing yeah. for your acquisitions. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just glad you're still there, Marco, after I explained that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, <laughs> it, it really isn't all that complicated. It's really just saying, yeah. hey, I've got, I've only got so much money in my retirement account and mm -hmm. whatever I earn or make off of that money is tax deferred within the retirement account. But if I'm borrowing funds from the outside, whatever I yeah. make on those profits, those funds, well, I'm still responsible and liable for the tax on that earned income from that debt. And then the question becomes is what is that profit taxed at? In other words, what's the rate? Mm -hmm. Is it your uh, ordinary tax rate? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, this is it's even more tricky. So, all right. Um, if you have net rental income, yeah, <laughs> if you have net rental income year to year, which a lot of clients don't, even when they're cash flowing a property inside or outside their IRA, you've got depreciation expense and stuff. So, you may be cash flowing it from, from a tax standpoint, you're getting a loss. But let's say you did have net rental income after everything you could expense with the IRA. You had this non recourse loan or the, you know, this leveraged with debt. You pay at the, the trust tax rates, which is a max rate of 37%. That's pretty crappy. When you sell the property though, which is really where we see more clients, so we have a lot of clients that buy real estate and just get non-recourse loans with IRAs. Um, it's really not that bad of a deal actually, especially as you look at as I can increase my purchasing power, I can buy way more properties than I couldn't. So, but where we'll see them get hit with the taxes when they sell the property and they have a large gain, but they still have debt on the property. And so in that instance, you pay tax, but you only pay at a capital gains rate. So you pay the federal capital gains rate, which is 20%. And that's not that bad, um, especially because you're only paying it on the debt part. And as you pay down your debt over time too, that debt percentage goes down. So it's, it's a lower amount as if you're focusing on the debt. Now I've had other clients take a long-term strategy and say, well, I'll buy it with my IRA. I'm going to rent it, but I'm going to put all my cash flow to just pay off the debt. And if you do that and you pay off the debt and hold the property for 12 months with zero debt and then sell, then there's no UDFI. You calculate it sell with an IRA because at the time of sale, the IRS only looks back 12 months um, to see what debt was on the property to calculate whether you have capital gain or not from debt. So if you had 12 months of zero debt, that, then you're done. You don't have to pay any UDFI at the time of sale. So there's a lot of strategies and things to it. There's, you know, I, can't, I couldn't do it justice for the limited time we have here, but it is an important detail to know as you're self-directing and using doing real estate and looking at debt and comparing an IRA to a solo K. Yeah, I wasn't intending to go down that road or get that deep into it, but, <laughs> but I'm sure there's people listening to this that were thinking the same question and wondering, well, okay, yeah. so how is that treated from a tax perspective? So mm -hmm. it's good that yep. good that you answered it. You know, the show's about real estate for the most part, and so what kind of yeah. real estate can we own in a self-directed IRA, and what what can't we own as far as real estate in a self-directed IRA? Yeah, you can own pretty much anything. I mean, I have clients that do just opt have done options on real estate. Um, one of my first deals I worked on, a client bought an option on a piece of pre-development land for ten thousand dollars in a Roth IRA and sold the option for over a million dollar profit. Once the land went from agricultural to freeway commercial because the county put in an exit, you know, and that was a that was over a million dollar gain in a Roth IRA. That's ten thousand from a Roth. His account's now over ten million, and he just does real estate deals. So like that's easy. I mean, not easy, but that's a, a just an option on real estate. You can even wholesale a contract from your IRA. Obviously, the, the more common single family rentals. We have a lot of clients that are private money lenders with their IRA. They're lending to other investors that are maybe flipping properties. Right. You can invest in an LLC that's, you know, with some uh, maybe four or five other people. You're buying a little apartment building. Um, we do a lot of that, even if it's you and your spouse's account and your friend and your dad's account. There's a way we can all co-invest those into one LLC to maybe buy a bigger asset. I mean, you can buy the, the, we have a lot of clients doing Airbnbs and the RBOs that their IRAs or their IRA LLCs own. Um, and so the only thing you can't do is you just can't buy like personal use properties, like your residence or, you know, a home you're going to personally use or your kids or anything like that. Okay. So in terms of using your IRA to invest in real estate, and obviously there are limited funds within everybody's IRA. It, it, you know, it, yeah. it's, there's only so much to go around, but then you can get mm -hmm. non-recourse financing. 
Talk about that for a minute in terms of buying yeah. real estate, using your IRA, but also borrowing money uh, or in other words, getting a mortgage to purchase more real estate. Yeah. So you can do that. I've done it myself. Um, I've obviously had thousands of clients over the years. So the key word is, and what you said is a non-recourse loan or mortgage when you buy property with a retirement. Now, this is an IRA or solo K, no matter what structure you're using. And you know, my partner, Mark Kohler, he self-directs his HSA account, which owns rental properties. You know, so you can self-direct an HSA, a Coverdell. There's all these different accounts you can self-direct. So, but the non-recourse loan is basically a rule that, because there's a primitive transaction rule that says a disqualified person, meaning you, the owner of the account, your spouse, kids, remember, a disqualified person cannot guarantee or extend credit to their account, their retirement account. So if I sign Matt Sorensen on a loan or I guaranteed a loan for my IRA or use my personal credit or assets to qualify a loan for my IRA, that would violate this rule and it would cause a primitive transaction, which if you have a primitive transaction, you lose the account, um, you no longer have a retirement account. So because of that rule, there's banks that have came up with non-recourse loans where you do not guarantee the loan. They're basically loaning the money to the IRA itself. And if there's a default, they're going to foreclose and take the property back only. They can only go after what they've loaned into. You can only get paid back what is under the loan documents. So, um, so that's a non-recourse loan. There's a number of banks that do those. First Western Federal Savings Bank, North American Savings Bank, uh, First Bank. There's a couple others that you know are more local or regional, but um, there's there's been a lot of interest in that, and there's more and more players coming in to because they're seeing this growth of IRAs buying real estate that want to have a product that works for IRAs. Now the downside is you're going to usually put thirty to forty percent down. You know these banks aren't going to let you put ten to twenty percent down. You're putting thirty to forty percent down because it is non-recourse. They can't chase you down if you default. They can just foreclose and take the property. So is there a proper way to get a mortgage loan with your IRA? In other words, is it any different than how you would qualify and process a traditional or conventional loan? I mean, it's similar. Uh, you know, they're, they're not really looking at your credit and income. I'll say that. They may pull credit to make sure you don't have judgments against you or anything that could tie up your IRA in a bankruptcy case or things like that. But they're qualifying the loan based on the property itself. So they're doing a lot of similar things. They're getting an appraisal of the property. They're going to run a rental income analysis on it to make sure the rental income will cover the rents. So they're qualifying it that way. So in that way, it's similar, but it's a little different because they're not looking at really your income or your personal stuff as much. Got it. Okay. And that's fair. I mean, even if you're able to get 60% financing, 60% loan to value mm -hmm. and coming up with the other 40%, it's still more than 50% leverage. It still gives you the power of leverage to build wealth faster within your IRA. So that's not Absolutely. a bad thing. Yeah. And I'll have clients come to me and say, Hey man, I got enough money. I could buy one property outright with cash. And a lot of self-directed self investors just buy properties with cash, even solo K investors, IRA investors. But all have clients ask me, Hey, I could buy three properties and get non-recourse loans, or I could just buy one with cash. What should I do? And my answer is always, if they're good deals, buy three, get the non-recourse loans, particularly the money's rates are pretty good still. And even if you have UDFI because you have an IRA, you're only paying on the money you're making, right? So if you're making more money and paying a little bit of tax on it because you leverage with debt, you're only paying on the debt piece, which you wouldn't have invested anyway. So you're, you're ahead of the game every time. So I try to tell my clients, don't get too discouraged by UDFI. Um, it is increasing your purchasing power. And, and many times it's allowing you to buy more properties 
which again is going to get more total return. Very well said. That That's exactly the way I look at it. Maximize the mm-hmm. number of properties you can invest in with your funds in your IRA and take advantage of the debt, especially the non-recourse debt that's available. So yeah, I see absolutely. no reason not to use outside debt for your acquisitions. Yeah. And I, t- I tell trying don't be scared of the tax. You know, it, it's a sign of success in many ways. <laughs> it's a sign that your investments are making money. Right. Because uh, you're only paying it when you're making money. So the, the UBIT tax, the unrelated business mm-hmm. income tax would kick in at this point. And mm-hmm. some people like to say that it is a quote unquote tax trap, but in reality, it's not a trap. It's just, you're paying tax on yeah. money or profit that you're making. And so you're still further mm-hmm. ahead, like you just said. Yeah. And it, and you basically supercharged your account by getting more money into the investments by getting debt, you know, I mean, right. Um, so, so it's increased your purchasing power significantly. And, and I think sometimes it's a trap because people just don't know about it. You know, the self-directed industry has gotten a lot of bad players in it, you know, I hate to say. And so they don't talk about this or, or let clients know. And so people find this out three years, four years later, we run into clients that have worked with other people that are finally reading my book or our website and are like, whoa, I didn't know about this. And, and to them, it feels like a trap because they just didn't know. But, you know, the right people that are really care about educating and let people, you know, go in eyes wide open like us. I mean, you're going to see that and know that you see it in our education. It's a whole chapter in my book. It's on our websites. It's on our forums. You know, we're, we're trying to make people know about it up in hand. So they make an informed decision, but like we've kind of analyzed it. If you take, you know, if you take the time to really analyze it and look at your total return, getting good real estate deals, it's a no brainer. You're going to, you're going to have more total return at the end of the day, despite right. having to send the IRS a little bit of money. Absolutely. So my last question is really based upon all the people listening to this who have some form of retirement account, uh, like yeah. a traditional IRA. You know, again, there's over $6 trillion out there trapped, if you will, in these retirement accounts. So yeah. someone listening to this that is thinking, yeah, you know, I should put my funds, my savings into better use. How do they roll over or transfer existing retirement account monies mm-hmm. into a self-directed IRA? Yeah. So it's basically a two-step process. Step one is you open an account with a self-directed custodian, like directed IRA. You can go to directedira.com. Our accounts, you can e-sign online, you set it up um, or whatever custodian you're using. You know, you, you get the new account set up. And then step two is you request the transfer of funds, which we, it goes from institution to institution. So you fill out our form or whatever self-directed custodian you're using. And then we would send that to, let's say your money's at Schwab or TD Ameritrade. And then they would send the money to us uh, in a wire or check. So, but it's, it's not a distribution. It's just a trustee to trustee transfer. It's like you went from Merrill Lynch to Morgan Stanley, you know, Fidelity to, uh, you know, TD Ameritrade. It's, you're just moving the account custodian. It's still a, if you had a Roth IRA, that you want to self-direct and it comes over to us, it, it's still just a Roth IRA. You just have a different custodian. If you had a SEP IRA, it's just a SEP IRA with us. It's just a different custodian. So there's no penalties or tax ramifications to it. You're just choosing to change the custodian because you want different investment options. Now, the one hang up on moving an account is if you have a, a 401k where it's somewhere you work, let's say you're 45, you got a 401k you've been working at, you put a few hundred thousand dollars away in it, you're like, I want to invest this in real estate. You call your 401k administrator. They're going to say, no, sorry, your company plan restricts your money while you're still employed. 
But as long as you're still employed here, we will not let you roll over your money to an IRA, whether it's a directed IRA or whether it's a TD Ameritrade, you're, you're locked in to the company's plan. So um, now if you've left that employer, you can always move it to wherever you want. Um, or if you've hit 59 and a half, your retirement plan age, you can always move it even if you're still working there. But sometimes there's some people that have, you know, under 59 and a half still working in a company 401k or even 403b, you're stuck until you leave. I've heard that there are exceptions to that. Um, some companies will allow you to self-direct if you request it through HR and they get an approval. Have you ever heard of that? Yes and no. So um, there's a couple of ways to get around that. So one of there's something called an in-service rollover. Some companies will allow you to send out a portion of your 401k, even while you're still employed, even before your retirement plan age, under what's called an in-service rollover. And it'll, it's, you're generally not going to get more than half of it out, but I've had lots of clients over the years that have been able to do what this in-service rollover. And actually about 30 to 40% of employer plans have this option. Now, I will say this is not the thing you're going to get figured out at the first line of defense when you call HR or the company that administers your 401k. They do not train their people to know about this because they don't want you to move. So it does take some diligence and some and such to figure that out. It's called an in-service rollover. If you're really looking to do this and you got some money stuck, ask about that and chase that down. Be persistent. The other would be many companies have a self-directed brokerage option or self-directed option, but it's really a self-directed brokerage option right? where they're basically like, we'll let your money go to a TD Ameritrade brokerage account so you can day trade it if you want. That's what they consider self-directed. So sometimes that's confusing. However, you, our law firm 401k has a self-directed option and it's not a self-directed brokerage op- option. It's an option where you can roll it over to a directed trust company. We set up a custodial account and you're effectively investing your 401k dollars into real estate or private companies or whatever you want. So, and that's, I actually self, I self-direct a Roth IRA, but also self-direct my 401k in the law firm that way. And I have a lot of clients that do that, that are business owners with employees who want to self-direct or we've set up that structure. It's a little tricky to pull off. It's not easy, but so, so there are ways to do it. Generally, you want to be the, you have to be the business owner because you got to drive that decision-making. Um, but try the in-service rollover. If you're maybe at a, you know, a larger company uh, that you're not an owner of that, you can always ask for the in-service rollover. Some plans do have it where they let a portion go out even while you're still employed. Right. Okay. Good to know. So for people listening to this that don't have liquid capital, just sitting there ready to invest in real estate, but they, you know, they have funds in their Mm -hmm. IRA, uh, they should take a serious look at creating a self-directed IRA so they can take advantage of the opportunities with residential real estate investing because you may not have the liquid cash or the savings today, but you do have the money to invest and it's essentially trapped in your IRA. And so, you know, working with someone like you, Matt, can, um, you know, free that capital so that they can get invested into income producing real Mm -hmm. estate. Yeah. And, you know, everybody starts somewhere, you know, I mean, my largest client has an a Roth IRA over $300 million. I have a lot of, I have a few other clients over a hundred million. I have a ton of clients over 10 million. And a lot of people are like, well, they were just, you know, rich. No, every, every IRA started at zero. Okay. Nope. You know, I mean, I guess there's inherited IRAs, but none of these people have inherited accounts. So everybody starts at zero. So the trick is, and I think the power of a self-directed account that's different than, you know, just buying mutual funds or investing in the stock market the power of a self-directed IRA is that unless you invest in what you know, 
And so you get some money in there. If you know real estate and you spend time educating, learning about real estate, why are you investing money in mutual funds and stocks that you probably don't know crap about? No no offense. So what we're saying and what we think the power of a self-directed IRA is, is it lets you invest in what you know. So if you know real estate, and you, you know, I'm always talking to real estate investors and even real estate professionals. It's like, why are you guys buying, you know, you've got all this investable money over here in retirement accounts and you're buying mutual funds because you just gave up. Right. That, that's like the most lazy money out there in my mind. So let's be more proactive about it and think about how we can put it to use in the real estate and the assets you know and have better comfort level for that are kind of, you know, hard assets, especially if there's recession or thing like things like that. I mean, rental property values could go down, but generally your cash flow and your rental income doesn't. So there's a lot of stability to it. I mean, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just, I just like people to be able to invest in what they know. And, yeah. and that's kind of the message we're trying to preach, I guess. Yeah. And, and I don't think people should be lazy with their, the savings that they have in their IRA because putting money in mutual funds is really minimizing your return, maximizing your risk and relinquishing mm-hmm. virtually all control. You can do yeah. exactly the opposite by investing in real estate that you vet, you choose, and you control, and it gives you far more upside potential than anything like a mutual fund. Yeah, exactly. So let's wrap it up. Is there anything that you'd like to share that I haven't asked you that you think our listeners might want to know? No, I know we were kind of hitting some of the top 10 stuff, but I do have a top 10 frequently asked questions that you can get at directedira.com. Um, many of them have videos with them. A lot of them have diagrams and charts. Kind of has the main topics we think people need to know about as they get into this. Um, so that's just directedira.com. If you go to learn more, you'll get the top 10 FAQs. And then the other thing I'll just throw out is there's a promo code you can use, Narada 100, that'll save anybody 100 bucks off um, setting up a new self-directed account with us just off your first year fee. Our annual fee is 295 so it'll knock 100 bucks off your first year. But... Uh, yeah, I appreciate coming on, letting me come on to the show. If someone wants to geek out on this, I got more. So you can get my book, you know, yeah, yeah you can get my book, The Self-Directory Handbook. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's five stars on Amazon. So um, you can find it there. It's, it's uh, also in Kindle version. And then I have a full long self-directed IRA summit too. Um, it's actually a day and a half now. That's all self-directed topics for a whole day and a half. And um uh, so, so if you want, depending on how deep you want to go, those are the options. Get the 10 FAQs for free. Get the book, it's 20 bucks. Or the summit, which is a day and a half thing that's really more of an investment of time than anything else. Yeah, I picked up your book many years ago and I do recommend it. So if you want to get deep into this, deeper, maybe not too deep, but deeper, then uh, pick yeah. up the self-directed IRA handbook. So Matt, Thanks I appreciate so you taking the time to come on today. And if people want to learn more, they can go to directedira.com and and uh, contact you through your website. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, Marco. All right. Well, you have a good one. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll have you back on next year and we can continue this conversation. Sounds great. All right. Thanks. having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S., 
Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please contact the host.